church boys. So, <laughs> we have a visitor here today. <laughs> Makes it's, me so happy. It's a, it has apparently become an annual visitor. And, um... <laughs> Billy, you took a lot of joy hearing this today. Lucas, I don't think I told you about I haven't this. heard this yet. No, I haven't okay, heard this yet. So, oh, it's the best. So last year, for about, I don't know, 10 weeks, we had this bird, a robin. that was There's a little crab apple tree right outside my office. Next to my office is our is our master bedroom, and it makes an L shape. So you go through one door, goes go through the door, goes into my office. But I can see also the bedroom window from my window because it's a 90 degree angle so i can see from the east wing correct so right outside in that corner of the house is this crab apple tree and last year there was this robin that for 10 weeks 10 weeks would spend its time flapping against the <laughs> master bedroom window like all, all day long all day long all day <laughs> and then it took to flapping against my office window right here all day long <laughs> And so, and then finally it stopped. There's one, one morning when he wasn't doing it and he would start at five o'clock in the morning and go it's all amazing. day until I past dinner time. For something I was going to ask if Billy trained this Robin and sent oh it across country. And he, oh my gosh. he did it. He did this thing for 10 weeks. I kid you not. And so finally one morning he wasn't doing it. I thought, Oh, that's nice. I, you know, I'm getting in the, I'm in the office. I have my coffee. It's, I don't know, five, five thirty in the morning. I'm sitting there and, I'm not hearing anything. I thought, yes. And about a half hour later, I hear, tunk, tunk, tunk. <laughs> and what in the world is that? And I go out in the front room, and in the big in the big picture window out in the front room on the other side of this wall is, is a big entryway. There's a <clears throat> there's a huge picture window, and this bird is flapping against this window and banging itself against this window, trying to get into our frigging house. <laughs> and then it would, during the day, it would then leave the front porch, from the front window, and then come back over to this crab apple tree and hit. There's our, videos of this. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. It would hit my office. It would hit my the bedroom, and then, <laughs> and, and so my wife, we we're like, what do we do? How do we get rid of this stupid bird? We can't figure out what's going on. My wife goes, <laughs> I kid you, and Billy, you've seen pictures and video of this. My wife goes to Walmart or someplace and gets, you know, they sell like plastic owls to scare other creatures oh, yeah. away, so the creatures go, oh, there's an owl there. I'm not going to mess with it. She puts the owl on the, because this bird was, we have these, um, what is it, the Adirondack chairs. We have a couple of those out on the front on the front porch. And this bird was pooping all over these Adirondack chairs. So the wife <laughs> gets this owl, and it looks real. And she puts it out there in front of the house on top of one of the Adirondack chairs. And I kid you not, I go out there one morning, and that stupid bird is sitting on top of the owl, <laughs> banging against the window. And you go out there. And, it's like a possessed and bird. After, it's, I after, mean, I can't. After a week of this owl being out there, the owl is covered with bird feces. I mean, just littered with it. The Adirondack chairs the are. Sat. There's poop everywhere out here outside my office. It's unbelievable. You've never seen anything like it. Finally, this bird, after about 10 weeks, goes away. And I don't know if she was... Which was looking, sad. I was very sad the day that I heard this stopped. Because it was yeah. like all, it was like he couldn't get anything every done. Day, I felt like it just drove you day. crazy. Oh, so we we figured she must have had babies. And we took some pictures of a robin. We think it looked like the same one. But you know, robins look the same out in one of they the. They kind of all look the same. Yeah, so we're looking, we're looking at it out in this, the sweeping willow out in the front yard. And there's a bird's nest up there. And we're pretty sure that that's the bird. And we're like, well, it must have been a girl bird looking for a nest. 
a place to nest to have her baby <laughs> in your house for 10 freaking weeks. And so it must be her. And then we, the kids were watching, looking at the bird out in the front yard and she's in the nest with them. And I'm sitting in my office and kabunk, kabunk against the window. So it wasn't that one. So we don't know what this bird was up to. So, but she went away for a year. She went away. That's the best part. And so this morning <laughs> I'm sitting <laughs> at my desk and I hear katunk. I thought, you no. I'm starting to have flashbacks like I've been in Nam. I said, no, no, no. And I look out there, and there in the tree outside my window, because I had my blinds open, outside the, is this robin, and it is staring straight at me. <laughs> and I, I go, I start screaming, no, across the house. And my wife comes running to go. She goes, what's the matter? What's the matter? I said, look it. And she goes, you have got to be kidding me. The bird is back. And she said, maybe it's a different bird. I said, that bird looks just the same. Now, Robin's look the same. I said, and it's making the same moves, the same the same flutter pattern that it would make up the window and across and then bang, bang, bang. And then every, I like every third or come fourth. back to you. Did you accidentally like kill its mate with your car? I or have something no like idea. That? But it is my name me, is so. Victor Montoya. <laughs> so, so all of my, all you of my co You couldn't ask for a better story. Oh, I mean, it, you couldn't ask for a, a worse person to be afflicted with I mean, something. I mean, just, it's wonderful. We got, we got jerk, jerk bird <laughs> redux or anyway, it's, He's so like now, the Joe Biden of birds. He yeah. just keeps she just keeps coming back to run again. <laughs> so I, one day she's gonna get in that house, just like one day he's gonna get in the White House. I don't know. It's maybe. Anyway, so we're all, you know, it's, at the same time we're all laughing about our family because it's Jerkbird. You know, Jerkbird's back. So the kids were kids were enjoying that. <laughs> so that's what's going on in the field house. They know they know their dad's a jerk too, correct? <laughs> so jerk, they're aware of that. We have a uh, um, a ground squirrel, a chipmunk that is reoccurring at our house we've had him for probably three or four years which i don't think they live very long but we know he's it's him we call him joe and he's got this really short tail and then it's got kind of like this weird like it almost looks like his tail was injured and it's got kind of this knob at the end so it looks yeah. like a pom-pom at the end of his tail <laughs> but he sits on the end of our deck and and he'll just sit there in the morning and just go chirp 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 and then like he'll go to the the bird feeder and everything else but yeah he's he's Joe he comes back but he doesn't hit our windows and we kind of like him so it's uh it's a little bit more tolerable situation i don't really like ch there's something about bats well bats are just foul yeah. creatures and yeah. chipmunks that really upset me chipmunks and I think it's aren't the, speed. the problem squirrels, it's the speed. squirrels are an issue see they i think are, squirrels but they're not going to go after you but they i are. think that chipmunks are cute Chipmunks move so fast, though. Yeah, I mean, they I, move so fast that it makes me uncomfortable because there's no way I could get away from it. If it, a squirrel, I feel like you can kind of get away from. I feel like a little chipmunk coming at me would really freak me. Out. Ask my wife; she thinks it's hilarious. I'm to, they're everywhere around our house. I'm totally freaked out by them. So yeah, really so there you bizarre. go. Yeah, I, we don't have any, <laughs> it. Is it is weird? We don't have much very many chipmunks in town here. We have a lot of squirrels, but that's and we have deer. I have. Four species of squirrels in my backyard. Do you, have black, do you have black squirrels? I have a ton of black squirrels. I have, and squirrel species names are really funny because it's literally black squirrel, gray squirrel, <laughs> red squirrel, and then the brown squirrel you would think would be called a brown squirrel, but it's called a fox squirrel. And so I that have four sense. different species that come in our backyard. We have a ton of black squirrels towards the city. We don't really have them here. They're very rare to see here, but 30 miles away, they're everywhere. Hmm. It's really it's really interesting. I didn't see a black squirrel until I came to New York City. Really? So do you have do you have other animals that freak you out around your your place, Billy? 
bats just bats yeah, and bats. I, bats are really freaking me out like you, i want nothing did to do you with freak bats. out before the wuhan oh, thing like that's chris oh, he has heard for years he's a girl bats bats are disgusting awful i don't care what anybody out there listening you're gonna send me they kill mosquitoes i don't care they are disgusting creatures they are rats with wings and don't send me cute pictures of them because they're not cute they carry please send him cute pictures three percent of bats three percent that's three out of what every 100 bats which might not seem like a lot but it is in new york state have rabies that means they are flying around with rabies squirrels can't carry rabies no I don't really? believe Why they can. It, is it cause it I think squirrels and gar- ground squirrels are rabies-free. So, well, they can't. Well, that's they, wonderful. Do they have weak arms, or what? Why can't they? I, I don't know. <laughs> that's weird. I, I don't know. <laughs> that's uh, it. Now we got to look this up. If anybody think, knows, let us know. I don't think possums can carry rabies either. I've always but wondered. Can we talk, I've like, always wondered about possums. COVID nineteen. <laughs> Hello, bats. Again, bats always emerge when there's a SARS. Go ahead, Chris. COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Okay, they they always always carry some nasty thing. They're always behind it. They're just like the little demons of animals. Yep. All right, I have a great rabies story. So, oh, okay, yes. yeah, that's it's, not. Uh, I don't it's think appropriate those, for all ages. I don't think that phrase has ever been said. I know it's. Never I have been a said. great rabies story. I was in oh. Kenya, and I we were having dinner at this hotel. It was our last day at this particular region. And there were these cats just like everywhere. And they're just like stray cats that hang out at these hotels. And, the, you know, the people just let them come in and out. Oh, I and, hate cats. And so, I mean, we have cats or we have a cat. but We've had cats before. I'll pray for uh, you. But this cat just keeps coming up to me. We're trying to have like this serious meeting. And I'm just like, okay, like this thing's got to go. So I took a piece of like sauce, breakfast sausage and I broke it and I go to throw it. And the cat attacks my hand and scratches me, okay? And, like, literally jumped up to, like, to the table and scratched me. So we're leaving, and, you know, I'm in Kenya. I have no idea. No, This is this cat doesn't belong to anybody. It's not had any vaccines or This is my nightmare, by the way. This is my like nightmare. That. So, like, you know, I mean, my wife has, like, no fear of any sort of, like, biological illness or sickness or anything like that. So she's just like, you'll be fine, you know? But... You know, it broke the skin and I'm sitting there going like, you don't, I, there's not a cure for rabies. So like, right. If it starts, you're done. You have like 48 hours to get the shot. So I can like roll the, you have a little bit longer than that. It's actually goes, it moves really slow. I wouldn't believe it. But I, you know, so we, we work our way back to Nairobi. We got out there in 24 hours. So the next day I'm going, okay, what do I do? We had a veterinarian who was with us on our team, a friend of mine. And I'm, I'm just like, I know that I probably don't have there's like a minuscule risk, but I'm still going to go. So I get the shot and then I had to bring like six shots home with me from Kenya in this ice bag and had to uh, inject, inject those over like a three month period or whatever it was. So I'm, I think I can take on bats and squirrels now Really, and I'm good to go. So where did you, for like 10 years, right? I think so. Yeah. You had to inject yourself or did your wife inject you? Well, because I brought these shots home from Kenya, we had somebody else inject me with them, but I'm going to let that person remain nameless because I don't know as though they were supposed to, but <laughs> the shots in the States were like $900 a piece Whoa. and the shots there were like 20 bucks a piece. Wow. So 
who knows what was even in them or if I'm really covered or not. This but. is my nightmare. Like your story right now is my first of all, I don't like cats. We've covered this on the show. I don't like bats. And if a cat scratched me or attacked me, I would just throw myself into a river. There's no way that I would even be able to handle being in a foreign country without knowing. I, I don't mess around with Ebola or rabies. When Ebola was came to New York City and that one person had it, I was in my house. I was not leaving that house until I was sure Ebola was not anywhere else. I don't want to bleed from my nose. <laughs> yeah, no, that's my not eye a good socket. thing. So maybe, um, maybe, so maybe what they were giving you, what that that stuff you got, Lucas, from another country. Now, where did you have to take the shot? Was it in the in the tuchus or was it in the arm? Or? So, the first when I first got, uh, like when I went in, they gave it in my leg and in my arm. Okay, and I mean, it was literally like a vial, like three inches high and just you know round, you know, yeah. big thing. And they just drained the shot in my leg, and so that's the that's the initial uh, the initial antibody, and then you get the vaccine over okay. a period of time. And so the vaccines were just in my arm. So you always hear about people getting sh- rabies shots in your stomach and stuff like that. I didn't have to do any of that. Okay. So are you injecting? Were you injecting disinfectants? Maybe maybe they weren't giving you. <laughs> it could have been bleach. It could have been Lysol. Who knows? Were you I'm gurgle, not, I, Were you I'm gurgling not it with wasn't Mr. Clean? But it could have been. <laughs> can we can we just like have an awkward transition over yeah, to that because i want to bring some maybe or we do you should, have we could start the show uh, we whatever should start the show. we should start why the show. not but i was going to say before i was before billy tried to change subjects that your wife billy had said that she had seen that her daughters thought she had that you guys had some sort of invasive species and your daughters came up and were screaming mommy mo- mommy mo-. never mind <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Billy It was going to be a manatee joke. The church boys. You threw me. From the sublime to the ridiculous. But mostly ridiculous. It's a wonderful Sunday afternoon. I hate these guys. So, um. Oh, I lost the volume, but just a Sorry, I was grabbing the wrong knob. <laughs> You're terrible. so elderly. I was, I was You're so old. Small rodents like squirrels, hamsters, guinea pigs, gerbils, chipmunks, rats, and mice, uh, including rabbits and hares, are almost never found to be infected with rabies and have not known to transmit rabies to humans. Really? What? Like, that's so... Maybe just because they're so tiny, they probably don't survive the that's general... That's from the CDC. Oh, oh, it could well, be it, Dr. Fauci might have. <laughs> Why written don't you that just quote the, the WHO for crying out loud? <laughs> he's he's secretly funding rabbit research in, you know, Wuhan as well. Um, yeah, you know, but before we go there, I, I do want to actually because last week we made fun of Trump quite a bit about disinfectants. Do you want and, me to play the clip? Play the clip because okay. actually I want to play the clip in the context of play it again because I actually okay. want us to think about the full spectrum of what the president was saying. Right. So and, you're and, trying. Okay. You're saying your your point is to a la Charlie Kirk, Cook, Kirk, Charlie Cook, Kirk. I can't even speak. You're seeing Attempt to cover Clearly. for Trump at Did you every give turn. A squirrel. I must have. <laughs> Jerkbird got me. All right. Here we go. Let's see if I can make it work here. And click. Play, play. Why isn't this playing? I've got look. Look at this. I've got it set up and everything. Not playing. 
Just a second. Well, and now my camera is. This is what happens when you cross the 40 threshold. So both of you are screwed. Yeah. I've got it. Well, talk amongst yourselves while I attempt. Okay. Well, what I want to say, because I think this is important. We mocked Trump. I mocked Trump quite a bit about this. I didn't mock Trump. No, of course. You're never going to get invited. You had had another White House meeting to come up. You're (laughs) never going to mock your Trumps. I get it. But let me explain something. Okay. I do think when we listen to it in its entirety, I think that Trump needs to take more responsibility for being prepared a and not to just spitball things like, Oh, you're on the national stage. Like this isn't the apprentice, like what you're saying matters. But I do, I do think when you listen to it, it's very clear that he was talking about UV rays and he started using this word disinfectant and all of us wiping down our groceries and our delivery food, like crazy people. When we hear that word, we think Lysol bleach, whatever, but he was speaking in fairness, I think about, disinfecting what's inside the body connected to the uv rays conversation uh-huh. whatever you say That's it. nothing well, to do with bleach or lysol right. or any sort of household cleaner <laughs> i agree i agree i think poor wording typical trump but the media ran with it and made it something it wasn't right well i i i do think that the media <laughs> inflated it i however am not going to say that he didn't say something entirely stupid and I don't. Oh, I, not, yeah. And okay. And it was poor wording for one. Okay. Regardless of whether you believe what Billy believes or you believe what I tend to believe, which is he was talking about disinfectants. It was poor wording, regardless. Now I, here's here's I don't believe he's talking Lysol when he talks about disinfectants. I do think that he was probably talking about some sort of chemical or, or some sort of medication that you can take that acts like a disinfectant. That that I would that I would buy. And I, I mean, I, I think I called this last week, if I remember properly here, but that, you know, there was a there was a storm of articles about UV radiation in the body and, you know, uh, different treatments that, you know, are available and disinfectants that people are using and all these things. And obviously a lot of that's coming in defense of him, you know, trying to kind of prop up. And, you know, and I don't I mean, I agree. I think that we need to th- take ownership of what's being said. I also know that, you know, I would assume that that Trump's life is going from meeting to meeting to press conference to press conference to meeting to press conference. And it's yeah. really hard to prep when you're at that level. And people might go, well, you're the president of the United States. You need to be. But, you know, who knows what he just came out of on right. some CIA briefing on, you know, something else and to go into the next thing. And, you know, I think that it's just really easy. And I don't care if it's Obama or if it's if it's Trump in the White House. I just think there's stuff on those people's plate that we're not dealing with, and it's really easy to be critical. And so that's one of my new goals is to. Yeah, I, say, I, I barely mind. make it through my normal day, I so I get I, it. I don't mind being <laughs> critical, and, and I don't mind, and for the pur- especially for the purposes of this show, to rip on something for for the sake of humor, right? And it was funny. It was funny. maybe and, he and had my, two robins pecking on his window maybe, earlier that day, and he was just having a bad day. And so, but I also think. I think where Trump stumbles in a, is that he speaks without thinking, right? And then he yeah. and then he'll also speak while thinking, right? He's he's gonna <laughs> I, he's pondering. I would describe he's got it all, as he's got he's all a these verbal ideas. processor. Yes, yeah, absolutely. He's got all these ideas in his head and these thousand different things that he's heard in these different meetings. Like you're right. Who knows what meeting he just came from or meetings right. he just came from? 
but he's he's like but, but he's, he's like turning to Doctor Burks. He's like Doctor Burks. We're we're right. gonna cure halitosis with right. pig feces, right? And he's, so right? he's riffing. I heard he's that. Riffing, right. He's riffing on all this, and all these different pieces of information are processing all at the same time. And he says, "Inject disinfectants." Okay, so what does that what does that mean? Well, he didn't he didn't elaborate because he didn't know what to elaborate on. But can we also address the fact? God forgive me, but if you're drinking bleach and Lysol, you're just a dumb dumb. I mean, or I'm not trying you're to trying be mean. to win a lawsuit, and you took a sip of it to go like somebody's going to pay me some money <laughs> yeah, if exactly. I do like, that. Oh my gosh, we have an influx of people drinking. And you know, I live next to Illinois, salt. and I can tell you that there's nobody in Illinois that likes Trump. So there's nobody there who would be thinking like, "Oh, Trump said it, so I'm going <laughs> right. to do it." Like nobody in Illinois cares about Trump hardly now, at all. Now, so Larry, like, it's Gov- not happening. Governor Larry Hogan. Republican governor from Maryland said on the Today Show or someplace, I just I I heard this th- I heard this report this week. I didn't hear him say it. I heard this reported on this week that he had his office had got a hundred messages from people asking, can they inject Lysol or some sort of disinfectant? These are the people who vote. I want right. to just these people are rubes. these people are going to choose the next. Well, they're going to choose the electors who choose the next president, <laughs> and it's terrifying to me. That, the uh, you know, uh, by the way, I mean, while we're on awkward transitions, I do I do want to bring up the elephant in the room and not Chris, but an actual topic. And that would be uh, this whole Biden versus Trump thing that's going on. First of all, I don't even think there's a controversy in terms of when it comes to who should we be focusing on. If you've been accused of sexual assault. Then both parties, I feel, if you're going to go out and accuse somebody of it, you should be heard. But the person being accused should also be heard, yeah. and every voice should be heard, and we should talk it through. That if doesn't it's going mean to become that every a voice thing. should be voice should be believed, and that's how we're able to stay consistent. But when the left says every voice should be believed, every woman should be believed on this kind of stuff, believe all risk, women. That was they, the hashtag. Then they risk wasn't being it? inconsistent. So I've got the clip, the Lysol, not the Lysol, the disinfected clip. Oh, so, all right. Do it. I finally got to work here. A question that probably some of you are thinking of if you're totally into that world, which I find to be very interesting. Into that world. Supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light. And I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, Talking too. Talking to Dr. Sounds Burks, interesting. looking at her. Right, and then Sounds I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. Do you like brisket? And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs cleaning. and it does a tremendous number of the lungs. So it would be interesting to check tremendous. so that you're going to have to use medical doctors. All right, so that's what he talked about. So, <laughs> as opposed to using you, yes, we're going to need medical doctors. Exactly. I, I think it was um, the word "cleaning" that really tripped him up. That was the word that shouldn't have been said. Well, and disinfectant, like, and disinfectant, and injection. Disinfectant might even be okay, but using "cleaning" and "disinfectant" together—that's yes. where. And like, injection. He could have said "cleaning" and in, in regards to light, or "disinfectant" in regards to some sort of medical, you know, you know, process. But when you put those together, it sounds like you're now being treated by the janitor I mean, in the he hospital. Might as, he might as well have come out and mentioned flashlights and anuses in the same sentence. It would have been about- very similar fallout. Injecting light, if- injecting disinfectant. 
If you're totally into that world, that's my favorite part of the whole thing. Uh, you mean the entire country find, transfixed by the fact that we're all going to die from COVID? Yeah, I think we're all into that world, Mr. President. Can, can you please tell me more? And then tremendous. I can't. Treme- it's tremendous. Tre- yeah, it's so treme- tremendous. Get a tremendous amount of light, please, and disinfect me. I'll let you do it, Dr. Trump. I listen, I okay, so but I he, do think we're being if you're being fair, it's very clear that he was on a streamline of thought. And I know Chris, yes. you think he meant actual disinfectant. I think he might have, but I actually think he was talking about a product of some sort, whether it's a light disinfecting the body. I, I, so I can I, I no, I agree. And I don't I certainly do not think he's talking about household disinfectants in any way. <laughs> That's just—it's just, it's just that ridiculous. Be, that would the, the be even, claim is totally that ridiculous. Is, that is, it is that is it all is. silliness, right? It's it's all designed to make him look worse, and that's yes. If you're into that world, <laughs> if you're into that world. <laughs> I love that part of it. I, oh my gosh, poor Doctor Burks. Her facial expression, though, oh. after she was horrified, but then when she went on to explain it, you know, she's thinking, oh gosh, I'm going to do 20 interviews about this now to right. like, you know. Calm everybody so, down. So he's asked about this over the weekend. Was it Friday? I think it was on Friday. Friday afternoon, evening. Let me look at this. So 24th. There's been a Friday. So on Friday, he's asked about this disinfectant thing while he's at the White House. And he's in, what's that, The one of the rooms where he's got the long table at the White House. And he, he gathers people around. Get the cabinet room, I guess. I don't know. But he's having a meeting. They all look the same. And the press it's is. The Jefferson, the, the, the Jefferson Library. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I think that's in <laughs> Arkansas. I don't know. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so Trump is being asked about this disinfectant thing, right? And, and people are ripping on him for saying disinfectant and his, his supporters and his excusers are coming out and saying, no, he's talking about light. No, he's not being, he, you know, he's talking, or they're coming up with, look, there's this kind of thing. That's kind of like a disinfectant that you could inject that. I mean, they're coming up with all sorts of research to say, this is what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about to excuse it. Right. And how, how does Trump, how did the president come out and. How did he explain his? <sighs> this is where he goes wrong. Right? This is this where is he goes because wrong. he doesn't do. He doesn't say what all of his defenders have said, which is he just simply misspoke, or <laughs> he had a thousand things on his mind. He's actually probably heard about this research about UV lights, or he's heard about this research about these different chemicals or medications that you can take that are like an injection that can come in and clean the body of these different things. I think those are all plausible things that he has heard in meetings but no what did he say this is what he says to a reporter uh, at the white house and there's two clips we'll, we'll start with the first one here clarify your comments about injections of disinfectant they're, they're quite no, i was asking a question sarcastically to reporters like you just to see what would happen now disinfectant for doing this maybe on the hands would work the disinfectant where it knocks it out right in a minute so that's his that's so wait, his he actually did bring up a disinfectant product did, that, that time that you wipe on your hands <laughs> that you rub like this that it could work with the he, i would love to be i would love to be on his pr team for like a week you'd because, probably kill yourself i mean you, it sounds like a horrible you job have, no that's it sounds like i would be excited about that like i think that you know <laughs> that's where you got to like double down on the science like the answer was hey you know what i know here i hear all these people saying this stuff you know i don't know if you've been aware of this there's research this there's research this you know as a president <laughs> i see stuff a lot of times before other people do and you might not be aware right. of this research but it's out there go talk to somebody exactly. john hopkins blah 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 you know i mean that's all the right that's answers perfect right response. or you know but the uh, he uses the term sarcastic a lot, and that's and again, I'm a Trump fan, 
But that is that is a word that like I don't feel like he's using in the proper sense. You keep using that, that word. <laughs> so, so that's yeah. Beside, but I here here's why he he just he can't help it right because the same thing that got him in trouble for riffing on the disinfectant, the same thing that gets him in trouble on Twitter is what got him in trouble here. It's like all I want to do is put the screws to you and kick you square in the groin. That's what he wants to do. Right with the, with these yeah. the, with the press that he sees as adversaries, right? So he's so later in that press conference, somebody asks a follow up, and he's talking to Jeff Mason, a reporter named Jeff Mason. Come on, play. Not encouraging Americans to no, of course, no, of course, that was uh, interior wise. It's it said sarcastically. It was it was put in the form of a question to a group of extraordinarily hostile people. Namely, the fake news media. Okay, so, so well, of course, all they had to do was see it was just you know the way it was asked. I, w- I was looking at you, uh, you know. I wasn't there. I know. You were looking at Dr. Burke. You were looking at What's Dr. Burke. You were looking at Dr. Burke. I was looking at Bill. I was looking at the doctor. I was looking at some of the reporters. You wasn't. I don't know if you were there. Were you there? I don't think you were there. I was there, and no, I watched you. No, not you. Ask not her. you. You were there. You. If you're there, I never forget. You were. I, I wasn't you were not. No, sir. Yeah, I didn't think you were there. Okay. <laughs> Just said he uh, thought he was there. I know that you continue to say you absolutely. Okay, hold it one second. Any other questions from any other? Okay, see, so he just <laughs> digs himself a hole. I don't think, no, I, I, I think he's some, literally like, this is my reality and right. you're all part of it. And, and I'm going to say whatever listen, I want to say. And Billy has heard me say this a thousand times. I, I tease and I joke about him because there's a lot of silly and funny things that he does. I will I will support him wherever I can. Right? I absolutely will. There's a lot of things that he's done that I really like. There are a lot of things like this. There are, lot, there are things that he's done that I don't like. And there are things like this where I go, holy crap. Like, <laughs> you just made my job easy. You just gave us 25 minutes of material for our stupid podcast. Yeah. Has he said anything about Biden and the Tara Reid thing? Because you know, I haven't did, seen anything from him. Somebody, has I, he? I, I, no, I, I saw, I saw a headline or a blurb just before I was out cutting wood, and I, I saw a little blurb or a little blurb that he was asked about it today. There at the press conference, he was having a press conference today, but it wasn't like the like the COVID nineteen task force thing. He was anyway. Somebody asked him about the Tara Reid thing, but I don't, I didn't hear an answer. Well, my favorite was Nancy Pelosi's answer that she's satisfied uh. <laughs> that she's satisfied with Biden's response. And <laughs> and Allison Camerata, whatever her name is, is like, yep. but he hasn't responded. He hasn't His responded. campaign has, but he hasn't. Exactly. She was under fire today all day. And it was interesting to hear her say, Well, Joe Biden's Joe Biden. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like right. that doesn't work on this side, does it? No. 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 And You know, listen, I think I've been trying to be consistent about this because I think there are a lot of people on the right who are going to be like, "Ooh, Joe Biden, look, you've got, you know, this woman accusing you. And it's like, well, yeah, Donald Trump has had like 20 people. I don't even know the number accusing. That doesn't mean it's true. But the point is, you know, Kavanaugh, we go back to all this. The the left cannot sit there and pretend this isn't happening after that. Right. Well, they can and they will. Oh, absolutely. But they they shouldn't. Right. Right. And they will. And uh, yeah. And they will get away with it on their side. And it's, it's because it's what they do. And they will get away with it. And they were and they are now saying there was a, a Politico had a piece. I think it was today or yesterday talking about how these Democrats are now saying that Me Too, the whole Me Too movement was an overreaction. They're now saying this, 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 oh, this movement that they subscribe to, this movement that they pushed to try to 
and and part of it, listen, a big part of it was Harvey Weinstein, and that's an animal who should have been caged up years ago, right? I think we can all agree on that. And there are other predators that were part of this Me Too thing, but other innocent people got wrapped up in it, and including Justice Kavanaugh, right? That's that's who they really pushed yeah. us out against, and that's where their whole hypocrisy really shows up. Is that this guy's accused? Automatic believe, automatically believe the victim. Joe Biden's accused automatically don't believe the victim that that's where, and so now they're saying that Me Too is an overreaction because it's inconvenient for them now. You're going to see the same sort of behavior with, um, you know, kind of the the uh, the my body, you know, sort of mindset with, you know, people how, how we're responding about like wanting to go back to work, like all of a sudden. Right. You know, I can't go back to work. Why? Because it might infringe upon somebody else. Well, it's my body. I can do what I want. Right. right. And, you know, women's right to choose. And, you know, we're seeing that same sort of, you know, hypocrisy, you know, and it's it's uh, and th- that's why you have to take like, you know, this these types of mindsets. You have to take them to the extreme and see if they still work. And that's how you know something's true or not. If it works in extreme, you know, situations and conditions, then it, it carries truth with it. But if it only right. works for one you know, that's why socialism sounds really great on a whiteboard in, in a, you know, in a college uh, classroom, but it doesn't work in real life because right. everybody has all these different situations that are going on. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think we just you have to be consistent. I think we have to be consistent. And I would say I don't know if Tara Reid's allegations are true. I don't know if they're false. I think both parties should be heard. If somebody's going to come forward, both parties should have a chance to explain you know, I don't think you just automatically believe one side or another. I do. I do think there are real abuses of power. And in a lot of these industries, men have traditionally been the ones in power. When you talk about Hollywood, when you talk about politics. And so those abuses are going to be at the hands of men and they need to be called out and yep. stopped. I think the problem is when you don't do that in the right framework, like what you're talking about, Lucas, what sounds good on paper. If you don't have the right framework for that. I get why people wait 30 years to come forward. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely get why somebody would be afraid. And I think we have to acknowledge that while also acknowledging that you can also come forward and make something up. And yeah. if that yeah. happens, somebody's life shouldn't be derailed because 100%. of it. Yeah, exactly. and there's real situations where people are really being victimized. And those things almost, I mean, it's the boy who cries wolf because you have other people that are, you know, either um, – you know, using, you know, using accusations for political gain or making things up or whatever, people that are really victimized oftentimes go without any sort of, you know, uh, um, either justice or or there's no repercussions or support or anything there. Right. Right. So, so go ahead, Chris. You You're wanted to talk about. Just, no, Lu- Lucas, you sent a text about your church is getting ready to. To start oh yeah, we soon. are. Uh, we have a reopen date now. There's an asterisk next to that because uh, Governor Holcomb in Indiana is supposed to announce tomorrow whether or not the state is opening. Now, our church is listed as an essential business, so that gives us a little bit of uh, flexibility. Uh, and I will say that although there's been a couple weird things, I think that this administration and uh, has gone out of its way to try to address some of the uh, religious liberty issues that we've seen, you know, spring up. I think they, they called in the DOJ and, you know, trying to crack down on this stuff. Other states have been a little bit, you know, uh, maybe, you know, uh, more concerning on that <clears throat> California. But, you know, outside <laughs> of that, it's been pretty good. So we are planning to open. We're going to have um, we have a meeting Sunday night. So my 
people at our church haven't even heard this yet. If they listen to this podcast, if they listen to this podcast, they might not Lost come to my job. church. But, <laughs> I was just going to uh, say, the, uh, yeah, fart so, jokes and politics might not fly there. <laughs> right. So um, we're going to open up on the 10th at this point, and we're going to have tickets available online. And to ensure that we stay under the, the cap for us. What's the cap? And there's kind of a four-phase plan. So we're kind of following the White House recommendations of zero, one, two, three. Uh, so technically, everybody's in phase zero right now. This will be phase one with the reopen. And um, it, uh, you know, our team will all be masked and gloves and chairs are spread apart. And, you know, uh, only time people won't have masks on is if they're on the stage. So I'm not going to preach in a mask. You know, I'll, I'll take it off for that and then put it on when I get done. But no, you know, no greeting time. No kids' rooms yet, so we're asking that kids are over 12, you know, to come. So we're really kind of putting a lot of restrictions. That'll happen for two weeks, and then we'll slowly start loosening up, assuming your, that trends continue. What's your cap? So right now, um, we're staying under that 50 number. So and could you have done that all along? I mean, if you're considered an essential business, there's some leeway. Because was it a, like a 10 person cap? What was the? Yeah, it was a 10 person cap. So we've been staying under 10 with how things have been now with our worship band and sure. tech teams and everything. So we still go over there. You know, I mean, currently this will be our last week doing this. You know, hopefully with our team of you know there was uh, we usually have eight or nine of us that's there. Um, so could we have showed up with 50? I mean, if we would have made it really loud, we probably would have gotten somebody showing up and trying to tell us not to, mm-hmm. um, there's probably an argument to be made that, and I, I know that some churches are standing on this. I just didn't ever see this at this stage, especially in my state as a religious liberty issue. Yeah. Um, there might be general freedom issues, but I didn't see it as, a, as specifically targeted to religious freedom. Because okay. it does target almost everybody except for Planned Parenthood, but it targets almost, I don't know about your state, but they seem to always weasel their way. Clinics always yeah. seem to find a way to be as essential. Yeah. Um, in New York, obviously, the, the the whole thing with de Blasio saying, you know, dear Jewish community yeah, and everyone else. Um, you know, <laughs> right. and, and there's a lot of passion, like my wife and I have been disagreeing. There's a lot of people who have very different views on it because there's a lot of feeling here that there's certain communities that have not abided by the rules and that de Blasio was saying again and again and again, please stop, please stop, please stop. And they wouldn't stop. But again, you're talking about massive communities. I, I just not to go off on a totally different tangent, but when you're talking about religious liberty, it is interesting to me that somebody who would have very big issues if you said something similar of another large group would would so you know blatantly go out and tweet something like right. that. He would have driven the message home without saying Jewish community. We all knew what he was talking about. And if they're not listening to you already, then it probably doesn't do any good to name them. You have to, you know, <laughs> send a letter to their, you know, if you if you really feel like there's concerns, then send somebody over from the health department right. or from the police department to be able to say, hey, you know, we have concerns here or whatever. He showed up. You're aware of this, right? He no, showed up. No, I didn't up. see that part. He showed up in person with the police to this funeral, to uh. this Jewish funeral. So now I would imagine if you now listen, it was hundreds of people. I would imagine this is when a problem. People get elected, do they just get retarded? I mean, like oh, he's I, already he started. Just, he's that was a, that was ground zero for him. I mean, he showed up. So now. I'm imagining there have got to be other gatherings, other things happening, people in parks misbehaving. Why choose this event to show up at? And I think that's the, I do. I think he was being anti-Semitic. No, do I think there's people are saying things about him that are not true too. The problem is you have a city where Jews are one of the most persecuted, if not the most persecuted groups, you have people high emotion right now. 
it wasn't a smart thing to tweet in my view to say yeah. at all. No. So no, Lucas, do you own the building you're in? Uh, we do own the building okay, that we're good. in. Yeah. So it's, you don't have, you don't have a risk of a landlord saying, no, you can't. No. Yeah. So it's our like church. That. Our church holds the, uh, uh, the mortgage on okay, that. Good. Um, and, and we have about five acres, so it's not oh, like, it's you nice. know, we're even in a shopping plaza or something that, that we'd have a bunch of neighbors there. So, um, you know, we're going to have it set up where, you know, they've encouraged if the weather's decent enough, well, the doors just propped open sure. so that people can kind of don't even have to touch the doors. There's no, be no coffee stations initially. So I'm actually doing a call, um, uh, this next week with another group of pastors kind of helping to walk them through, you know, what we're, how we're handling it and kind of giving some recommendations and also Good. hear what they're doing as well. You know, so, I mean, I think there's some best practices that are out there, but, you know, you have to just watch and be in touch with your people. We're encouraging all of our people, obviously, to report any sort of, you know, health concerns. So if we need to dial back and, you know, jump back a phase during this process, we will. But there was a there was a mega church pastor that was on a call with the on the, like the the White House, uh, the White House uh, pastors call that I was like name dropping. Um, and they um they said that they thought it was going to take about three months to get their church back up to full occupancy based upon the phases that they're operating at. Now, we don't have a huge church, so, you know, I'm not trying to move 2,000 people into the building, right. you know, so it's not going to take us quite as long. But I think it's probably going to be six weeks or so before we're— What are your phases? So our, our phase one is kind of this initial thing I described. Phase two— is is going to be um you know we're still we've kind of we have some guidelines we're still gonna be defining this as we go phase two is going to um probably allow uh uh kids back into the space okay. um during that but still encouraging at-risk populations to stay at home uh and then and you know we would probably still We'd probably still have some social distancing in phase two, but maybe not necessarily masks on, you know, for everybody or requiring that if you want to wear one, you can, but it's not required at phase two. And then phase three would be basically, and this is kind of the White House's guidelines, uh, phase three is where at-risk population is kind of given the green light that we believe it's safe to come back. Okay, good. You know, I I do think it's interesting. I've seen a lot of Christians talking about this, the pro-life aspect of all of this, right? That you know, if people who aren't wearing masks, who are in areas where this is a problem, you know, if we're going to be Christians and talk about being pro-life, that protecting the most vulnerable with simple acts of staying at home. And I don't know, I could be compelled a little bit by that argument. I think, I think it's, it's smart, especially if you're in an area like New York mm -hmm. or other parts of Washington, that you would abide by those rules because it is true. It's not going to stop. We're not going to be able to stop it or at least contain it until enough people listen. And I know that not everybody wants to hear that. Um, at least that's the current advice that we have. It's right. changed okay. a bunch. And, the, and there's a there's a big crowd, especially on the right, but I think there's people on the left too that are really pushing to to end the lockdown and and to. But one of the things that they don't understand is where they talk about the government's trying to take our liberties and they blame Trump even though he hasn't nationalized anything. Yeah. But they're they they want to complain about taking our liberties. Do you understand that the reason that the lockdown started in the states is because people didn't listen to the recommendations made by the government? That the, that the governors and mayors and governors were coming out and saying, please don't gather in public places. Please keep in small groups of five or six people. Please socially distance. Please be responsible and think of others. And people just went, I'm not going <laughs> to. And just well, and they're continuing to do it. Right? And, and, and yeah, there's definitely some that, that and are that's continuing. Why I mean, that had to be those things had to be implemented for that reason. You know, I think that it's very like. 
again, there's there's a fine line between all of this. You know, we could all turn into some sort of like, you know, Eastern, you know, aesthetic that is, you know, going around and, and sweeping the ground so we don't step on any bugs and kill them, right. you know, as well in the process. And so, you know, if if I was really if I was really concerned about people's lives, I would never drive in the rain or drive in the snow or, you know, run the risk of having any sort of situations. You know, I mean, the uh, I, I would never touch my phone while I'm in my car. You know, I mean, we could look at all these things and I get that there's a real virus that yep. we need to be vigilant. We need to be, you know, wise. We need to follow protocols. You know, we we were very uh, I mean, I cracked down. You know, I mean, our house was like we were under lockdown, you know, during this thing. And now that Indiana is surfacing, you know, we've started to kind of get a little bit looser this week in preparation for that. But, um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, we have to allow we have to allow freedom to operate as difficult as it is. Yeah. And and I think that we just start it's really easy to start giving away things quickly. You know, if you don't everything, everything in our life. We, one of the things that's always factored in, it's an economic factor for everything we do in our life is something called acceptable risk, right? And that's true of, we, we accept, there's an acceptable <clears throat> risk for driving cars, there's an acceptable risk for owning swimming pools, there's an acceptable, acceptable risk for having electricity in your home. I mean, all of those, everything has what we would call acceptable risk. And so we have to decide, everybody's got There's to an decide. acceptable risk for listening to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. You're going to get dumber. Guaranteed. By now. Lots of brain cells. Right. But do you guys, I guess for me, it is hard. One of the things I've been trying to just like prepare myself for and process is that the rest of the country or a good chunk of it, maybe not, maybe parts of Washington, but maybe California, parts of California, but the rest of the country is going to move forward and we're probably not for a while. And so that's been yeah. something that, that's going to be I'm going to just hate you guys. It's going to be a little a little annoying. But, you know, it is interesting. Like Chris and I were talking yesterday and I have this New York Times piece in front of me. The total deaths in seven states that have been hit the hardest by this whole thing are 50 percent higher when you look at March 8th to April 11th from what they normally are. So they're undercounting the deaths on this. They're undercounting also who's had it. So we don't really have accurate rates. Right. Um, but the reality is that this doesn't change. Those who still have high debt, we're still in the hundreds of people dying a day, right? Yeah. Um, we're not going to be, they're talking about school not reopening potentially still. It's 50-50 chance in right. September, they're saying. I mean, but hopefully they're wrong. But that doesn't mean that, that upstate New York shouldn't open. Agreed. And right? I think upstate New York, right. they've only got 1,400 cases in Rochester where my family is and only 100 people have died, right? right. So it's a very different situation than it is here. And the county, I, the county I live in, Washington State, we are the only county with zero instances of is oh, zero wow. confirmed cases no it, it well, helps that we have 2, we have 000, a couple in indiana we that have are 2, still a zero we have two thousand people in the county so that that helps it's <laughs> you know it's small, small yeah town, i mean but. it's just gonna be weird to watch people moving forward and i think people i think that everyone here and i can only speak for here is like traumatized by this because they're right. you're afraid to go anywhere because yeah. there's so many you know like you look at numbers you're like okay if 1400 people have covid if i were in rochester like my parents are sheltered they're freaked out my dad has risks so i understand yeah. why but i might not be that way if i was if i knew that number but when i know the number in my county and now even our small town yeah. in in our suburb is filled with people who have it now so it's like you can't really everywhere you go you have to assume somebody was there who touched something with their covid right. yeah with so COVID. I haven't been to a store in six weeks, almost seven weeks. This, really? And every really? store, the grocery stores are going out of business because well, Billy's not there buying food. 
You better believe that. We got a grocery delivery coming right. Sunday. So we we have we have what about uh, 10, 10, 10 15 minutes maybe left yeah. on the show. Uh, we talked about last week that we were going to bring up this whole um, pastors and mm. wealth and net worth sort of conversation. Yeah, let's bring it up. So so did you? Bill, I love the I love that Lucas put on his giant gold chains for this discussion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he put on his needle costume and he's about to go jump into a haystack. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you want to frame that, Billy? Yeah, why, don't, why don't you go yeah, and start guess, your nonsense, Billy? So this nonsense, I don't, this ongoing debate, and I hear it all the time from Christians, right? Those who have no problem with pastors being millionaires or you know making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, and those and Chris has his hand up, and Lucas they have their hand up. I'm on the other side of this, and those. Who, who take issue with it or feel like it's inappropriate for a pastor to have that sort of money on hand. Maybe not. Maybe the issue isn't making the money. Maybe the issue is where the money goes after it's made. I guess that's where the debate and the discussion is. Well, so my, my understanding when you and I have go ahead, about Joel. It. Go ahead, Joel. <laughs> Osteen. Go ahead. One of the, I like Joel. I'm just messing. But one, go ahead. one of um, one of one of the things that when you and I have talked about this before, Billy. Uh, you know, off air that you have pointed out is that you're not comfortable with pastors um, and not even necessarily having the money, but that that's the, that they're making that kind of a money from their church. Is that, is yes. that accurate? Yeah. Let me frame it this way. I personally do not feel comfortable with a church that should be doing ministry and that is tax free 501 C three paying pastors, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year from the church. Now, if a pastor's writing books and doing other things and money's coming in from that, I think that's a very different story. Um, I think that that is the most asinine yes, philosophy yes. that I've ever heard. Woo! Go for it. Go okay, for here's, it. Here's the deal. First of all, Lucas, Lucas, um, Lucas. I think that you always like money always works on um, it always works on percentages. And so. That's why, you know, and again, I'm not I'm not a guy that says that Christians have to tie 10 percent. I think that that is a is an old covenant sort of concept. I believe that in the New Testament, we're called to give, you know, based upon, uh, you know, we're, we're called to not give out a reluctance or obligation. So we're giving from our heart. We're deciding our heart. You know, what we should give would be what Paul would say. And so, you know, that's why. But if you look at something like 10 percent, I can go to any country in the world and talk about, hey, give 10 percent of your income. That's a good starting place you know, in order to partner with stuff. Or if you don't, you know, if you're worried about that, give five, give two, make something that's important to you, that's meaningful to you. But it's the same with like a church budget. You know, I have a problem with a church that's bringing in $100,000 a year in revenue, giving their pastor 80,000. Yeah. That's a problem for me. In the same way, I have a, church, I have a problem with a church that's bringing in $3 million a year in revenue and they're giving their pastor, you know, 1.5. You know, that's an issue. But like, there's there's business strategies for and and comps on com companies that would be similar sized to ministries. You know, if a ministry's bringing in fifty million dollars and they want to pay the senior leader, you know, a million or a two million dollar salary, I'm fine with that. You know, he's bringing in value and he's setting things up to be able to do a lot of work. I don't see where there's a problem from that standpoint. Sure, I'd be less likely to donate to that organization, and I and I know most of I look at what people are being paid because I'm just curious when it comes to ministries. That's just me. Listen, I see a big difference between business and business strategy and church strategy. Now, I want to clarify. I also argue with people who go on and on about this because I I think 
My concern about it, so I can illustrate this for you, is more about the pastor, him or herself, and and also where that money could be going. I don't care if you're a million-dollar church. I don't care if you're a $10 million church. Every bit of money should be going towards ministry, and I don't consider paying a pastor $500,000 because it's a church. Why isn't that pastor ministry? Well, first of all, why does a pastor need that much money? Why is it? Why do you? Here's the thing. Well, I'm not a pastor, but well, here's the yeah, thing. But your, but your job is still ministry, regardless of what but you're doing. But who are you ministering ministry. to? Like, I don't need, you know, I don't need uh, $4 million a year to, um, you know, to minister in my community when the the average, you know, income might be $80,000 a year. You know, but the the problem that happens, and this is what, you know, I've seen a lot from traveling internationally, is you have situations, if the pastor gets into lack then what it produces is it starts the same thing when a government leader gets into lack, it starts producing, uh, you know, issues of corruption. And so I think that a church board that's going, we're going to take care of our pastor and be able to make sure that they're, and, you know, I mean, a guy. Let's talk about corruption. Let's talk about Jim Baker. Let's go down the line of the people in ministry who have made a ton of money and who corruption found them as well. So there's regulations on 501c3s, on board members and all these sorts of things and best practices that are out there. But, you know, if, if somebody is ministering in Hollywood, I'm okay with them making $2 million a year because it costs that much to get around the people that they're ministering to. And to actually be able to, you know, be able to be free in state of mind and not have to go home and, you know, cry and fight with your spouse because you don't have any money in your checking account. But see, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying don't pay good money. I'm saying I think there's a point at which— I'm saying it's judgmental. And and (laughs) I'm happy to judge it because here's the thing. It's something that's—it is something that is judged endlessly by Jesus in the Bible. Wealth, the warnings about wealth. If we are are setting setting someone up—well, hold on. If we're setting someone up and putting them in that position, when we have people in our community who aren't eating, who aren't able to have the resources they need to do basic things, and we're comfortable saying, oh, we do lots of nice things, but we're going to give this person $800,000 a year, I think there's something wrong there, personally. And you may call it judgmental. I'm not going to call individual people out. So I actually would say I'm judging the issue. I'm not judging people. I have friends who make a lot of money as pastors. I also know that Joel Osteen does not take a salary from his church, which I find very interesting. And, and I think a lot of these bigger guys don't, you know, when they're at that level and they have book sales. And, and I'm fine else with that. Happening. And I actually would. And I would then. And here's the other thing, though, too being careful with this. We don't know what people do with their money, which which is why I would never name someone. So you're saying it's judgmental. I actually, in my view, it's something I feel personally convicted about as well. But you have said before, and maybe, maybe this has changed or maybe I misunderstood. You have said before you have a problem with some of these ostentatious homes or these fancy cars that pastors drive. And my, my, one thing that has always driven me crazy are, are church people who love to live live uh humbly but vicariously through their pastor right because they'll say you know my what kind of car do you drive well i drive a you know a a 19 a a 2020 you know bmw well what does your pastor drive well he's so humble we just love him i'm so proud of him he drives a 1987 cutlass sierra i mean that's and so they're proud of that and so the the humility of their own pastor i wouldn't judge a car i wouldn't judge a car i mean my con my concern is, I mean, I wouldn't go specifically and say that person's car. I definitely think that 
And this is something I think David Platt is phenomenal on. And I've taken some a lot of cues. From oh, him. my God. I gosh. am not. Yeah. And you don't like David Platt, I'm sure. I didn't but, say I don't but, like him, but the one but where I you're think, going, I don't like. I think I think it's fascinating that he has felt a personal conviction on this and they moved out of their house and they downsized. You, OK, Listen, that's the word. I'm not everyone should do that. Conviction. Right. right. Sure. Personal I get, But here's conviction. my question. How are we not? If you're living in a 10 million dollar house and there are people who aren't eating in your community. How are you? I'm convicted okay, when I buy wait, too no. much on Amazon. If How are you living, not convicted? If you're living by in a hundred thousand dollar house and there's people not eating in your community, you know. So what you're addressing is called it's called liberation theology, and it's it was not start- liberation theology. Oh, it is liberation not. theology. It, no. is a, it is from a Peruvian Marxist priest that brought that into the Catholic Church in the '50s and everything else. And it's the idea that we're going to elevate the poor and that there's a spirituality in the poor. It's the same, like to me, it's it's just a variant of, and I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but it's Uh-oh. what Mother Teresa was doing, where she's got millions of dollars in the coffers that she could build a great hospital, and instead they're reusing needles at her clinic and not giving. Right, basic I'm not med- getting. I'm not gonna get into Mother Teresa, but what I will say. I'm saying this is something I'm processing through this with you guys. I'm not going to go out and ju- I'm not going to say that person is living in a $10 million mansion. I'm telling you when I look at the teachings of Jesus and you guys may disagree and I look at the gospel and I look at how, and I go back to the old Testament. I look at how money is talked about. You can't serve two masters. You go down the line. I think churches can very easily set a pastor up to live in a struggle of serving two masters. And we see this all, we've seen this all the time throughout the, the recent history of the church with pastors who have found themselves in scandal. I think churches encourage it sometimes by paying those sorts of salaries. I'm not saying if you want to give someone $150,000, $200,000 a year, go for it. I am not comfortable with it personally. That's just me. I would actually vote against it. I wouldn't be for it. I don't think there's a world in which a pastor needs to be making a half a million dollars a year from a church salary. Go write a book. the week that Lucas quit the church, boys? <laughs> um, <laughs> the, 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 okay. So first of all, money exposes what's in the heart. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't convert the heart. So giving somebody more money doesn't make them greedy. Greed exists there regardless how much right. they get. Every single um, uh, Old Testament um, uh, you know patriarchal father figure that we have from Abraham, Joseph, et cetera, Jacob, all were incredibly wealthy. Every single one of them. Off um, of their churches giving them. Off of the of Lord blessing them. Sure, or, that's a totally different thing, though. Then why? I, how else does why a is two hundred thousand dollars not blessing somebody? That's does, my question. Why are you not being why, blessed? Why are, with you just, wait, why are you deciding that the ceiling is two hundred thousand dollars? I think I think there's a point where it goes too far, why, and, and I would have to be in a specific church in a specific community to say I think where I live making two hundred thousand dollars doesn't make you wealthy. Okay. Where other people live, where it I may. live, man, that's that's yeah. a really big income. You know, yeah. I, I don't think it's it's make it's, a, it's a decent income here. But I live in a house that costs me over three hundred thousand dollars, and that's the cheapest house. And in it my doesn't town, even have a complete probably. kitchen, right? So I'm just telling you, like, you know, we that and that was just at the time we were Rich. like, let's buy something. I'm just saying, like, we, in order to get into a house in my a, a freestanding house, you need to spend five to six to seven hundred thousand dollars. So you need more money to get there. That's it my just point. It doesn't have anything to do with that, though. It's it's totally the expenses, what somebody does with their money. The question is, do they have a job description that's agreed to by their church board? And if their people are celebrating that and seeing them do that work and they're holding them accountable to it then it's an individual church issue 
And and I think that everybody else, you know, should say I don't have the right to tell Pepsi how much to pay their CEO. Well, they're not a church. They don't do ministry. That's my point. I, this is my conviction. But what else is the pastor going to do? He doesn't have. I mean, you know. And again, like I think I'm the they only one here that actually has a has an ordination that has you know 20 years in ministry. And what I can tell you is. There's for most pastors, I'm an exception in the fact that like I have another business. Most pastors don't have time or the business know-how to make any money doing anything else besides preaching. And so now the people we're talking about that you're concerned about that are making that lots of money, those guys are, you know, they're A-level guys, they're sharp, they're good in business, but that's what allows them to be able to pastor a 2000 person church. There's also a, uh, some, there's a position that some, uh, scholars take about Jesus that first of all, the fact that Jesus had somebody who was a money handler, you know, meant that he had to have some money to handle, uh, from that standpoint with Judas carrying this, this, this purse that he had. Um, but there's, there's a, you know, the idea that I, my personal belief, I'll say it this way, that the three wise men that are characteristically talked about don't exist in scripture. You know, it was a whole caravan of magi that were big enough to get the king's attention. How many people have to roll in DC and a lineup of SUVs in order for Trump to notice? Quite a few. And, you know, the thought is that they actually brought loads of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that's what provided for Jesus's family during, you know, their time in Egypt and then perpetuated him into ministry. I don't, you know, I don't know if that's true, but there's some church history that would point to that. And I think it really pops the bubble on the idea that Jesus was just this hippie, you know, shoeless wanderer. And that's what all pastors now need to be. Well, I'm not saying that either, but I also would push back against your claim that money only exposes the heart. I think money can change people. I, I think that it can metastasize something in the heart. Sure. Um, and I don't think money is evil. That's not my point. I don't think money is bad. I do think in the context of a church and what the purpose of a 501c3 tax-sheltered church is that doling money out in truckloads to pastors, I do not believe is good ministry. I just don't. Um, I don't want a pastor to be poor. I want him to be well-paid. I think a church has to decide what that is. I'm throwing out figures mainly to just make a point. I'm not saying those are solid figures. You yeah. only pay a pastor 200 but do you have do you have an issue I, yeah. with do you have an issue with the church having an expensive building or expensive features within their building that are not directly ministry related That's a great question. I think I honestly think that it depends. I mean, I don't know. I go to a very simple church. My church doesn't have those things and do those things and I actually think if they had the money they would turn it around into the community. You know, that's a decision that churches have to make. Right. You would have to give me specific examples. I do tend to think it's nice to have a beautiful building that honors God. And, you know, not that that's the most important thing, but are we wasting money? I, I think if we're wasting money, this is money that people are giving of themselves to the church. And so if you're comfortable giving your money to a church that turns it around and gives the pastor a million dollars, great. I'm not comfortable doing that. So that's I've always I said do. that, like within our church, that my salary is is public information. Now, I, other people on my team, their salary is not public information, but me as the senior leader, I'm not going to necessarily just go post it. But if anybody comes to me or writes me and says, I want to know how much the pastor's getting made, you know, what, how much he's making, I'm happy to share that with them. Why? First of all, uh, for one reason, I believe if I told them, they would actually feel sorry for me and give me more. <laughs> um, uh, two, 
I believe that, you know, I believe that people have that right. If they're going to give to the ministry, then they should know. I'm, I have more of an issue with a lack of transparency about the numbers than some sort of ridiculous number. What I always tell our people is I will never take more money than what I can justify. And so based upon our budget, based upon those things. And so if I have to defend myself in the number, then it's probably too high. And so, but, but why again, is it too high then? It's too high because it's it's ill proportioned based upon the revenue that comes in on a yearly basis. You know, if I alone am, I mean, the average church in America spends fifty percent of its budget on staff compensation. Okay, yeah. and that frees those people up to be able to do ministry, to not have to think about some of these other things. I mean, you know, how much money would it take for me to never have to think about my bills? I don't know, but I'm not there yet. And so what it means is it, I'm not free enough. I would actually say that, that you can't, and you might disagree with me on this, I don't believe that you can ever fully fulfill your calling until you're financially free. So well, let me ask you this hypothetical, and then we have to go because we're over our time. But if, if a church, they do their budget, they've broken even, they've, they've gone through all their money, and their pastor's making a million dollars a year from their budget, and they were able to feed 50,000 families this year, but they could have fed 75,000 if that salary was a little lower. Are we comfortable with, oh, well, the salary is just a million. That's what the salary is. Well, it's like Schindler's List. If this, I had just sold this ring or this watch, I could have saved No, it's more. not like Schindler's List. You've made a decision to pay somebody a certain amount of money or a team of people, and you have a need in your ministry that you can only meet a certain amount of because you've made that decision. I mean, look, I'll, I'll use Jesus's words. You, you'll, the, the poor person, will wait, always just, be with you. The, the and, personnel and, are what helped you make it possible to meet the, hit, have those ministries. So I didn't I mean, have what, this personnel. We, we have 10 ministries that are being covered right now, but if you didn't have those 10 and you just paid for eight or you paid them less so they had to get second jobs, and, and then, then you'd be able to cover this ministry over here, but you're like... Of the 10 ministries these people are covering, well, which one of those would you sacrifice in order to meet this one that you say we're not covering? And, and I would also I would also argue, too, that like, you know, what's the what's the like, what is the value that that individual who's getting paid is bringing to the ministry? What does it look like? You know, I mean, what is what does Lakewood look like if Joel Osteen is not is not teaching? You know, I mean, and I think that it looks I think it looks a lot different. Because he has developed a style and a charisma, um, and you know, people like him, hate him. You know, he's he's reaching people, he's sharing the gospel, and I think there's a value on that. I you know, I know he doesn't take a salary now, which I think he has every right to, but I think it's really respectable that he doesn't. But I don't have any condemnation for maybe an up and comer that is at a place where he's taking a salary and they're paying him more. I I have respect for you know. Um, there's a, there's a pastor and I won't, I won't drop his name. We dropped enough names last week for the whole season of the show, but <laughs> the, um, uh, there's a pastor who's a dear friend of ours and has been a mentor to me in a lot of ways. He has a very, very large ministry. And this guy is in his, uh, late sixties, early seventies, been doing this a long time and other peers of his, he probably has, I don't know, five to 10 times less the net worth of what those guys have, because he's always chosen to pay himself a, a, you know, a lower amount than probably what he, his 
you know, his his peers are doing. And I think it's respectable. He still is comfortable. He still has made, you know, uh, a good living doing what he's doing. But he's given his life. I mean, he's teaching five, six, seven times a week sometimes, you know, doing everything he's doing. And and I just don't think that we should, you know, to use biblical language, muzzle, muzzle the ox. Well, you're both wrong. But <laughs> no, listen, I think it's important to talk about. And I think at the end of the day, my bigger concern is actually what happens to the money after somebody has it actually than, than the church budget. But I am, con- I do have concerns about the church budget too. And not because I want to judge what they're doing with it. Cause I'm concerned for them when you see some of these crazy things that happen and some of the scandals that we've seen plague the church, but you guys are cool with that. Feed I fewer people pay to talk about your Amazon purchases this week. Yeah, well, I'm guilty. <laughs> oh, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm so completely jealous, convicted on Amazon purchases. I've, I've ordered so many things. I don't even know. Well, I think you should feel convicted about one purchase, Billy. And in order to alleviate yourself of that guilt, you should just send it to me. The computer, the, the computer. iMac. I'll take it. The oh, I thought you iMac. wanted the Peloton. I thought no, you wanted the hoverboard, which is on its way too. Are but you kidding? I, that's what I want, really want is the hoverboard. I was showing that to JC last night, the other night. You'd show, it's a good so, deal. So, so Billy, you're gonna break did, your ankle. Did you? Did he tell uh, you about this hoverboard ankle? that he's ordered? <laughs> Lucas, did he tell you about the hoverboard? We tweeted about it back and forth. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, yes. Oh, it's right. on the way. They shipped it. So oh, I can't wait to see. I, please tell me Andrea is going to be recording. Oh, yeah. yeah she's prepared. I absolutely must sure. see this. For sure. So I got I will, it for $70. wealthy pastor pays your medical bills after you hurt your ankle. <laughs> They're not going to after they hear this. So I, um, I was showing JC the, the hoverboard last night. I clicked with the same. I showed her the same link, the th- same thing you had sent to me. I said, we should get one for our family. We'll experiment and see if we can figure this thing out. She goes, why, why are you talking about this? And I said, well, Billy ordered one for himself. And she goes, well, that's going to be a disaster. Can the thing hold him? Oh, I bought one that could hold up to 265 pounds. I'm like, so I'm going to make no. sure this thing is safe. <laughs> Shut up, Chris. Shut up. <laughs> All right, well. uh, so, okay, for listeners, you have to tell us what you think about this This. Uh, pastoral salary. Do we need to put a cap on? Do we need more regulations in the church world to put a cap on pastoral salaries not above a certain dollar point? Did Jesus ever flip tables? Just answer that question. All right. Well, wait, we got to go. Was that? You've totally. See, I love it when people bring up the Jesus flipping tables thing. They always take it out of context. One hundred every every single time. Either Billy with his Billy with his nonsense or conservative right wingers who are like, Jesus flipped tables, so I'm gonna flip tables. Nope, not what he was doing there either. So anyway. So I'm uh, right, you're wrong. Goodbye. No, well, we're we're used to that by now. So <laughs> go back to Peru. Wrong I hit the wrong button. That was the you're uh, an we're idiot. going to end the show now, not begin the show. So gentlemen, it has been a nice evening tonight. We can Has it? We're all still we're all still friends. I <laughs> look think. at you two teaming up against oh, me. I love it. I love it. I just can't believe you want to feed the wealthy pastors and not the poor. It's no, so I just sad. Want to feed. I I love that <laughs> I'm throwing you guys under the bus. I love it. It's fine. Fewer fewer meals for those who need them because they'll always be with us. The church boys. Jerkbird. <laughs>